What would you do if you got scammed? Would you suffer in silence or would you do something about it? Well, I got scammed once and this is the story of what I did. I'm Justin Sales, the host of The Wedding Scammer, a true crime podcast from The Ringer. And for seven episodes, we're hunting a con man, a guy with a lot of aliases, a guy who's ruined a lot of weddings. And with the help of some friends, I just might be able to catch him. Listen to The Wedding Scammer on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome back to What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. It's officially spooky season, and today I'm joined for the first time, I can't believe it, by one of the ringer's horror experts, one of my faves, Chris Ryan, to talk about friendship in horror movies. I'm so excited, but first of all, how's your heart? How's my heart? It's fluttering. It's fluttering. It's fluttering because I'm on this show, but it's also because it's it's late October, and that means it's horror movie season, which is like one of my favorite seasons of the year. I mean, so Sasha, our producer, also reminded me that you and Sean Fennessy, another one of my faves, just did like horror Oscars on the Big Picture podcast. Yeah. Why do you love this genre as much as you do? To the point that your heart is fluttering. No, I mean, I think I... <laughs> I, I I admit it's a sickness, um, but it's I think it's a really primal feeling of liking being scared. I like to go mm. into movies and have them manipulate me and give me like a visceral reaction. And I think fear is among the most primal and like visceral things you can feel. And in the, this sort of safe confines of a movie theater, there's something almost cathartic about being terrified or being on the edge of your seat or or like being nervous and being mm. freaked out. And then you get to walk out of the theater and be like, okay, now back to real life, you know? And so there's something that's almost like an escape for me in it. And I also just like any kind of genre where more or less, you know, what's going to happen. You know, some people yeah. are going to be threatened and then they have to persevere and come out on the other side. And the question is like, how does this movie do it differently? And Every once in a while, you come across one that's like, oh my God, I've never seen that before. Or, 
oh my God, I can't believe they came up with that twist on the the haunted house or the cabin in the woods or the whatever. So that it's 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 a sort of constantly reinventing itself. I do not love horror as much as you do, but I do like being scared. But like, what is your favorite type of horror? I mean, there's so many. Um, my favorite type of horror, strangely, right now, I think just because I think it requires the kind of invention that I was just talking about is found footage. Um, I think that this probably goes back to some of my like kind of formative horror experiences where, you know, when I was a teenager, late teenager in college and going to see Blair Witch and not knowing whether or not Blair Witch was real or not. And like legitimately, it's, I talk about coming out of the theater and feeling okay. Like I did not feel okay coming out of Blair Witch. <laughs> and that was still like, you know, 1999 and it was like the internet wasn't really a thing back then so much as it is now. So you couldn't really like fact check things. And we had never seen those people before and we had never seen anything like that before. So I think that and, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre isn't found footage, but it feels like it could be. Um, those are, those are the two formative ones for me. So I'm always looking at, at those like found footage, found footage hard to, to sort of be my, my, my beacons. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was telling you offline, like I, if I can't believe that it could happen, it doesn't scare me. Like if the quote unquote monster, it looks just too unreal. I'm just like, meh. But when it like hits on real life, not necessarily yes. like real life events, but like a human could do this to me that's when it starts freaking me out. Yeah, so the perfect example of what you're talking about to me is Strangers. It's Scott Speedman and Liv Tyler, and the first, like, 20 minutes of the movie are there this couple who's kind of on the rocks a little bit, and I think they've gone to, like, a wedding. Yes. And they decide to stay... I, th I can't remember... I don't think it's, like, an Airbnb, but it's an unfamiliar cabin or, like, house on the way back to wherever they live. Half of the movie is, oh, is this couple going to stay together? And, like, what's... Why are they upset at each other? And then there's a knock at the door and it's a woman asking for help and they're like freaked out by her a little bit. And as it goes on, like it turns into a home invasion horror movie and it feels so plausible that that's the, that's the terror of it. Yeah. I, I'm also thinking of that, the movie where they're, they have like a dinner party. Yeah. That's the invitation, right? Yes. 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 Where I'm just yeah. like, okay. I mean, it gets a little too weird at the end where I'm just like, see, I knew this was weird, but. But most of it, I'm just like, this could happen in real life. Yeah. I'm never going to visit strangers' houses. <laughs> I'm never going to another <laughs> dinner party. Yeah. yeah. Um, but friendships into horror films are interesting. Um, why do you think so many horror movies center on group of friends specifically? Like, especially teens or like young adults. So I was thinking about this. I think horror does a great job at putting ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances. And, you know, when you get a group of young people, one of the things that's so volatile is that like the lines of their relationships are kind of crisscrossing. Cause so we're going to talk a little bit about bodies, bodies, bodies later, but like even cabin in the woods, even Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, you get a lot of like people who are like, that's my best friend. This is a friend I kind of don't like. This is a mm. girl I do like, but this is the girl I'm actually dating. Early on in horror, I think it was a lot more, it was a lot more about these people being put randomly into this circumstance. So, and when you first see Halloween, you have no idea really like why Laurie Strode is being terrorized by Michael Myers. It's hard to understand. The people in Friday the 13th, initially you think that they're just, they have the bad luck of going to this camp. You know, like there's nothing else beyond that. 
I think as the genre has evolved and the years have gone by, it's become more about people trying to almost like therapeutically like overcome some sort of thing that's happened to them in their life. And that's something that like I think is pretty interesting because it's also I think a lot about like how people have gotten used to talking about their feelings and talking about trauma and talking about their their psychological state at any given point. But as far as the friendship stuff goes, I think that you need a foil. You need somebody to have other people around them, presumably ones they're close with, who can say like, this person's reacting this way, so I'm going to react that way. So it's just as much a function of dramatic storytelling, I think it is, is about friendship. But I think it it's so awesome when you get like some people on a road trip, some people on a vacation, mm-hmm. some people in a in a house together, like whatever it is, and have those kind of complicated, messy relationships be impacted by an outside force. Yeah. And you're right. Now that I think back, I guess like the more initial horror movies that I could remember, like you said, of like Halloween, there is like just random people put in, put together uh, versus like later on, you do see friends, which I think is a great way, I guess, to also show like different friend dynamics. And then also what these people bring out of you in this type of specific environment, which is, you know, supposedly the worst type of environment is you're pretty much fearful of your life. Yeah. Yeah, and like I think the high school ones are especially effective because often what happens is like re- regular everyday life continues to happen even though the horror movie is unfolding. I mean, the yeah, Scream movies are especially yeah. indicative of that where it's like <laughs> Scream is happening, but people are still going to parties. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> which yeah. is, which, which is, is like all my the favorite Halloween bit. movies, by the way. Yes. It's all the Halloween movies. There's one friend... Uh, being intimate with their partner and that's how something happens. Their friend tries to save them and then there's a Halloween party going on at the same time. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) The Halloween movies and a lot of those early 80s movies have a lot of like, they're really tied up in sin and who's like the horniest person has to die. And then we get to like the chaste you know, like Madonna right. at the end of it who lives. But yeah, I think that we've kind of evolved past like the the most promiscuous person must get slaughtered by like Jason or Freddie or something. But yeah, but that also shows, I guess, like the friend dynamic when these two, mostly they're women, you know, are supposed to be opposite when it comes to that. And the first one that gets killed is, you're right, like the more quote unquote promiscuous one. Do you have a favorite horror film that is revolving around like a group of friends? Yeah, well, I mean, I think so the first, the horror movie that I saw that really like changed my relationship to the genre aside from Blair, which is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which yeah. is essentially like a group of friends in a van on a road trip across Texas. And they wind up stopping at this far out of the way, beaten up barn and get terrorized by this creep called Leatherface and this wild family. But that group of friends, even though I'm not from that part of the country, like is just very, very, very realistic to me of yeah. like, Cause that, that feeling in high school where you're kind of like, oh yeah, well I'm in the backseat of this car now, like with these three guys for some reason. And we're going to this place and I caught a ride with this person out of the party and now we're doing this. And there's a little bit of like that feeling. And when you're that age of like, you kind of take what you can get, even though your friends from your like teenage years often last very long in your life. Like there's also a lot of like 
hey, I'm just being pragmatic. I need a ride kind yeah. of stuff going on. <laughs> yes. And uh, and I think that's what's going on in Texas. Like they're, there's, they're, they're, they're probably not going to be friends with each other. Well, at all, because they get killed by Leatherface. But they're probably, those people in the van are not going to be going to the same places in their life. And there's an element of Texas Chainsaw Massacre that's almost like dazed and confused up until the point where Leatherface shows up. Yeah, I did like that. At least it looked like they were friends. Like they did somewhat blend as like, their dynamics versus yeah. like, again, like just random people put into one spot. So I do remember like seeing that for the first time and yeah, being very scared. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's going to be a human that just puts the skin of other people's, you know, of other people's bodies on their face. And I'm like, this can happen in real life. Yeah, um, I, know. I also like, as time went on though, like one of my the most hilarious things that happens in horror movies is when they put together a group of friends that would never be friends in real life. Oh, that annoys me. Where it's like a pre-med student, the quarterback, and a yes. stoner. And it's like, yo, these, these three people aren't really hanging out. Oh, I was watching this. Uh, I think it was like a, a horror foreign film. And that's exactly what it is. Like, it's just one's like a librarian. One is like pre-med. And I'm like, no, no. Just because you go to the same school. I mean, it, the correlation was that they go to the same school. And I'm like, but that's yeah. not enough. Like, you could tell they're not friends. But Yeah, like Cabin in the Woods does a good job of kind of doing that tongue in cheek. Because mm. everything in Cabin in the Woods is so meta. But that, that group of friends that's initially in Cabin in the Woods, you're like, why, why would this group of people be hanging out together? <laughs> like, this is like Chris Hemsworth, a nerd. Yeah. Like, a, like, it's just really funny. Yeah, like stay in school, like hang out in school, not on a road trip <laughs> about to get killed. But I think the, the thing that is wild to me with horror movies or friendships with horror movies, there's just very few options like for you and your friends to survive. You're all trying to get out alive, but ultimately you either die for them, with them, you kill them to survive, or you leave them for dead. Like someone's yes. dying. Yes. Is, is it going to be either you or your like closest friend in the world that you grew up with? Like it's, there's not, there's not a lot of options. Why do you think like these tropes come up? I think that the power of horror movies is the way that the viewer puts themselves into the mm. into the sort of like persona of the protagonist and i think we all recognize ourselves in different characters in horror movies like even if you're just watching blair witch at various points in Blair Witch, you're each one of those characters. You're the person who's like, I know how to get through the woods. You're the person who's like, I'm trying to keep things light, keep things, True. keep everybody laughing. But at the end of the day, only one person maybe is going to get through. Or sometimes what they do is they'll have the protagonist and the most like kind of vanilla other character make it through mm -hmm. you know like the person <laughs> yeah. without sin along with the hero yeah um i always love watching those and just thinking what would i do in this situation though you know what i mean like i i i have this like, very which funny, friend would you be yeah which friend would i be i, I think you, i'd like to think that i would i would have like survivor qualities but i think <laughs> I think probably if we're being realistic, like I'm the person who makes like way too many jokes in the first 20 minutes and then gets killed going to the bathroom You're somewhere. You're going to die, like, Chris. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I had this really funny experience a long time ago with my then girlfriend, now wife. Um, we were at uh, a haunted ha house in upstate New York. Not even upstate. It's like right outside the city. And, you know, you go through the haunted house and it was pretty good. And then when you get to the end you get ushered onto a school bus, which we did not know was part of the experience. And you got, we got like driven out and you're driving through these cornfields and on the bus, 
there's like a public a PA announcement that's like, warning, there has been like a toxic chemical event. You are being taken to safety. The military is coming. And you're like, oh my God, like this is pretty immersive. So we get out to this cornfield and the whole thing is it's a corn maze, but with zombies running after you. Oh my gosh. That kind of Which be I really mean. liked. Oh my but goodness. as soon as the first zombie jumped out, my wife shoved me <laughs> in the way of the zombie and took off by herself. See, this is how you find out people's yes. true colors. <laughs> yeah. So I still married her. But but at least you know what you're getting. I've never forgotten. Yeah, you, you know what you're getting if this scenario scenario ever comes up, which like to our point, it like teaches you how a person can react and also dependent on how another person reacts as well. So deep down, when you look at yourself in the mirror, do you see someone who would would be ride or die for the people you were trapped with? Or are you looking for your exit? Are you looking for like, I'm booking it the second I can get out of Camp Crystal Lake? That, the latter. I'm leaving. (laughs) Like, I'm not, I don't even, like, I love you, but why, like, why are we still here? Then maybe I shouldn't love you because we're still here. Like, I gotta go. I don't know. I want to believe that I will try my best to like help others, but fight or flight, like yeah, flight. flight. Yeah, I think for now sure. we just answered the question mark in the title of this podcast. What about your friends? They're all dead because Erica all left dead. them. <laughs> Again, there's very few options. And if it's, <laughs> but there's very few options and I want to live. Um, I don't think the other options are, you know, are possible here. But I, one who of the knows, problems right? is that, like, at the end of the horror movie, it's not like the protagonist is often, like, really that broken up about all the people they've lost along the way. Yeah. So I would feel like my life would almost be in vain if I died for a hero of a horror movie because it would just be like, Man, you're just, you're just excited that you lived. You're not like holding, you're not like yeah. holding space for my memory. <laughs> yeah. That makes me feel really awful because my first thought was like, Well, I guess I didn't really love you, love you like that to begin <laughs> with. <laughs> That's what we're, I was trying to think of a movie of like this, like, what do you call like when you dive into like canyons, there's a movie where like a group of girls go. Oh, the descent. Cabins. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think that was actually a great example where like, I wondered if the protagonist even liked, you know, who she kind of went up against uh, at the end of the movie. Crucially, what happens in the descent? She finds out that her late husband had been cheating on her with one of the women she's in the ca- cavern with. Yeah. So like midway through, as they're being attacked by mole people in this cave, uh, she's yeah. also like, do I even want to save this woman? Yes. I don't you know. We, sh- we won't spoil it. But I feel like that is, I mean, to your point in the beginning of like looking for a twist to these like common storylines. Like I feel like that was somewhat of a twist to what you would oh, yeah. expect. That film also showed of like, how much do you want to save your friends? And I feel like they all kind of gave it a shot besides that one friendship of trying to save others. But ultimately, it's one for their own. Do you think like that ultimately that's what it comes down to? Like in these films, when it comes to friendships, at the end, they're like, I got to survive. Yeah, it's 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 so interesting because there is a whole other genre of movie, which is just like, you know, survival like these survival movies, whether it's like Alive or The Grey or whatever, right. where it's like people trying to battle against the elements and the wh- whatever situation they're in to live like to the other side. And it's not, th- those are often like, we have to pull together. We like the the whole thing from from Lost, live together, die alone. Like 
that's not what happens in horror movies. No. People, they may say like, we're only going to get through this together or whatever. But like I, when the chips are down, there really can only be one person who makes it out. I'm trying to think of where there probably is films that I can't remember where like two friends came out at a live, but it definitely was because there was a group of friends to begin with. Yeah, they didn't there's, go a, there's in definitely with just two some people who got slaughtered along the way. <laughs> Jesus. Slaughtered it's sounds true. <laughs> I know we're talking about horror movies, but that sounds wild. I know, we're just <laughs> casually tossing it around. Why do you think it's so compelling to see these friendships be picked apart? Well, because there's very few films that where, where they, they are in the first place, right? Like, when do you ever see a movie where there's like a huge amount of pressure put on a relationship? Because I, I think about this all the time. So many relationships in my life, I mean, to be completely candid, never experienced that kind of stress. Like, what are, we're on a group chat. We're talking about like various teams. We're like sending each other like funny jokes or whatever. But like, we're not like hey, one of us needs to go get food or the other one won't live, you know? Or like, you got an injured leg, so we're going to give you a splint and carry you in a makeshift stretcher or something. Like, that never happens with me and my friends. And so when you watch these horror movies, you're forced to imagine scenarios and then you can extrapolate little things. And it's always funny, like, whenever I have a conversation with Sean... And Amanda on the big picture about horror movies, if it comes up, because Amanda's not a horror fan, but like we start chatting about different roles people would play. And like you find out real quick what people think of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And also, as far what as you like, think what would you do in that yeah, scenario? Yeah. Yeah. And like I'm, a, I'm like a big believer that I would have a lot of skills in a zombie apocalypse. I just think I could, I could galvanize, I could motivate people to like, you know, but not see, necessarily. Yeah. I talked, I uh, talked about this with Joe when we were talking about The Walking Dead, like friendships in The Walking Dead. Shout out to like Daryl and uh, Carol. Carol. Yeah. Yes. My yeah. favorite friendship. Um, I feel like I, I mentioned to Joe, I would be like the emotional support friend. That is my skill. Uh, like, do not put me near any, like any plants to pick. Cause I will poison us, all of us. But like, that would be like, if your if your aunt dies, a zombie bites her, I am your shoulder to cry on. But right. that also means that like, how long will I last then? Like, I think I could, I'll force myself to learn. I'll turn it to Rosita later on, like during the show, but I'm uh-huh. definitely not Rosita in the beginning. But this is so interesting because you obviously then see this yin and yang of yourself where on one hand, you're the emotional support friend and on the other hand, you're like fight or flight of flight. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You know, now that I think about it, maybe because I I tell myself because I've watched The Walking Dead so much that I can defeat a zombie versus like a leather face or something. Well, to be fair, zombies, those zombies are pretty slow moving. Like I feel like just like- They make it so easy to like kill them at the end of the- You just have to weave a little bit you can get them. Exactly. Like at the end of the series, I'm like, I could do this. So what type of person do you think you'd be with this within a friend group in this type of scenario? It depends on where we're set. I am not a big outdoorsman. I I like it, but I don't think like if we were camping, I would be much use. Uh, I just watched, it's not quite a horror film, but the remake of The River Wild that just came out a couple of months ago on Netflix, really, really good thriller. And that's like a big, like they basically like have an accident on a, on a rafting trip. Like it gave, it gave me a lot of PTSD about rafting trips in my, my childhood. Nothing happened on those rafting trips, but it's like, once you get me in the great outdoors, I feel like I lose a lot of my, my charm. If it was somehow (laughs) like, uh, I feel like I would do well in scream, for instance, like I would do well just being like, let's make sure nobody's ever really alone 
let's try to keep it light. Let's be aware of horror movie tropes and all that other stuff. And so I, I, I think I would do well in Scream in, in a kind of like collective, but still like in society, in civilization kind of thing. How would you depend on your friends? Like, what do you need from your friends? If they're willing um, to save you, because who knows? They might not be willing right, to save you. Right. It could be. It could be. If it's every if man it was for me, himself. You know what your outcome <laughs> I, is now going I know. to be. <laughs> uh, I think that I would... I think that I would just need to not have anybody be like, we're all going to die. You know, oh, that's, okay. That's what yeah. you can't have, is you can't have naysayers. You know, you yeah. have to have... You have to, you have to think no matter what's happening here, like we still have a shot. Because if you give up, you might as well make yourself as comfortable as possible and go, you know, like, but, but there's, there's usually that person who's like, we're all going to die. And I don't know if I would be able to hang with that. Yeah. I mean, we, we do talk about like fight or flight. And I feel like for me, fight or flight is like in the beginning, like uh, that's when I know or find out that there's danger, but I feel like once Mm -hmm. you're in it, there is no more flight. So I feel like that changes now we got a rock. Yeah. 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 I'm How fast people. do you think that you, <laughs> how long do you think it would take you? Cause there's always that moment in the horror movie where the, the prey becomes the hunter. Like the people who are being attacked, chased, whatever are like, we have yeah. to stand up and fight. Do, do you think that you, can you imagine yourself fashioning weapons out of broomsticks and, and, and like setting up booby traps and stuff like that? Like, do you think you could do that? I want to believe that I've watched Daryl so much, the study Daryl <laughs> in The Walking Dead, that I would say I could do that. But yeah. I feel like the the feeling of I need to figure this out kick, would kick in pretty quickly. Now, will I figure that out and like make some sort of weapon out of like this stick? I I don't know. I'm gonna try though. Like the, yeah, <laughs> it's it's the effort that that supposedly counts, but not necessarily in a horror movie, but. What about you? Like, it's, I think it really depends. In Scream, I would be like, let's rock and roll. Like, we can go after this dude. It's not, he's, he's not Superman. If I was in the descent, like, I would probably be like, I'm going to curl up over here in the corner and wait for the mole people to kill me because I already (laughs) was like having heart palpitations when they were going down into the cave. Like I was like, oh. the idea that this is a recreational activity is so That was ridiculous. That was, yeah. I, I think, see, the fight or flight, like, I, I, why am I friends with you? Why are we even doing this? I feel yeah. like that's when I was just like, I, I'm i sorry, I made a mistake in my friendships. I gotta or go. Or I would just be like, I'm the driver. I will drive you to the hole. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait I'll for be, you up here. I'll go get the sandwiches <laughs> at the Instagram deli down the street, bring them back. Yeah. But it's funny that you you know when it's time to like give up or you're like, I'm just going to wait here. But is it because of what's coming after you or the yeah, like, I think environment it's like the, you're in? The, the environment and the severity of the threat. Like to me, yeah. Ghostface, while terrifying, the cool thing about Ghostface in the screen movies is that he has a biographical connection to people. So you could kind of yes. like be like a Sherlock Holmes it and be like, why is this guy chasing you specifically? With the the people in the descent or Leatherface, you're like, uh, I just happened to be in the wrong cave or the wrong Texas barn. <laughs> like, yes. there's really nothing I can do about this. I'm done with hanging meats and weapons yeah. and all these things. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. 
Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Let's talk about bodies, 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 which people may be surprised why we're talking about that, but I think it makes sense for this episode. But yeah. I think what was, it was ridiculous in my opinion, but I think what's interesting about this and other films like this is that psychological component of when you start almost being suspicious of those around you. And usually those around you are your closest friends. And all of a sudden, like unresolved emotions or hurt come up. And I guess that's for me, that's where the horror lies. But what did you think about the movie? I enjoyed it. Uh, I saw it in like perfect circumstances in a movie theater in like Maine with a bunch of teenagers just like wow, goofing around when that? they saw it. It was great. It was <laughs> it was an awesome experience. I've had back to back summers, I think, of doing that once. It was bodies, bodies, bodies last year, and then it was talked to me this summer. And it's just like I love a, I love an August horror movie in that way. With bodies, 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 I think that it's essentially like an anthology of contemporary like social maladies and social conditions where it's like you have the recovering addict you have all these like um sexually fluid relationships you have outsiders coming in you have people who have jealousies and envies and and unresolved feelings for other people so i thought that the cauldron it kind of had of of all these different like things and then you basically have these people who are only like a few steps removed from puberty anyway. So yeah, they're, and they're all locked in the house because yeah. of a storm that's coming. Yeah, I mean, I think it's essentially like 
I mean, it's not that much different from I Know What You Did Last Summer. You know what I mean? But it's oh, just done for this, classic, for this era. Yeah. That is a classic. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite was Brandy and Mekhi Pfeiffer. See, I feel like it's like it really dates us that we're like, we prefer Jennifer Love Hewitt to Rachel Sennett. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I think it, again, it depends on the, I mean, those are people that I grew up on also, right? Sure. Like Brandy. But I think it's also how these friendships play out. And I feel like that's also what I really enjoyed about Bodies, 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 which I was kind of hesitant to watch to begin with because I thought this was going to be too young for me. But the setup was interesting of how it creates tension as far as like they start playing this game, which already creates suspicious suspicion again, like between all these people. How did you feel about how they set up I love this it. like tension? Have you do you ever play like um any any like dinner party games that are kind of like mafia or one night a werewolf or anything like that? I've never heard of those. I was thinking like never have I ever in all these like random games. So Mafia is essentially just like you're guessing who the hitman in like the group is who's like oh, killed yes, a yes. member of the dinner party. Uh, One Night Werewolf is essentially the same thing. It's like you're guessing who the werewolf is among a group of people at the table. And one of the things that's really electrifying about those games is that you have to like if you want to win, you essentially have to lie to other people, but you're lying to these friends of yours. So yeah. I think like anytime you put a game like that in play and in bodies, 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 they kind of have the same thing. It makes friends suspicious of each other. And that is like electrifying to watch. Yeah. But you also make yourself out to either be, to be innocent, but not innocent enough to where they still fear you, which is kind of like a weird yeah. component there, which I guess goes with the games that you mentioned where like, you are lying, but enough to where you won't get sought out, pretty much. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so the first person to... Go, well, so we're going to spoil this movie, clearly, if we haven't already. Um, this, the first person to go was an outsider. It was uh, a boyfriend, a Greg, who was played by Lee Pace. So he was fir the first person to be sought out as being suspicious of killing someone. Yeah, because he has he has the go bag, right? Yeah, but you know what's just like they find him in some like gym within this home. It was a very yeah. weird, uh, just like sleeping. I guess he was like fed up with the game, and he just went off and like took a nap somewhere. How how did you feel about how quickly these friends started ganging, ganging up on him? I thought it was like pretty telling. I think that he, for as sort of ridiculous as the people in bodies can be. It's pretty natural, I think, to like be suspicious of the outsider in your friend group, if yeah. especially if something like that happened. Wouldn't you first be like, "It's so and so's boyfriend who I I've don't never know met you who enough. has shown exactly. up"? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to be like, "I've known these people for years, but you, I just met, and I think that I just really like the like I love the way you walk." So we're just gonna we're just gonna rock together. We're friends for life. Alice did not really give her boyfriend, Greg, a chance because every time they're like, we don't know this guy. She's like, I've only dated him for like a couple months. Like it's <laughs> yeah. so, you know, in my opinion, she's a little to blame for, for that turn. But yes. so the dynamic that is really impactful to me is, so B is also an outsider, but she's being protected by her current girlfriend, Sophie. There's an Alice versus Jordan scene where Jordan shoots her. But I feel like it's very much... This, this scene happens because of how much unresolved tension there is between all of them. 
And B is almost like the person that takes the fault for this because she yes. is an outsider. She's come to the group later and no one really knows her as well either. And she's also the friend. Well, she's the girlfriend, but she's the person that Sophie started dating when she got clean. She has a different set of responsibilities because like Sophie's sobriety is like a big point of contention, even though these people are doing massive amounts of drugs and and drinking and stuff like that. So yeah, I think that, uh, you know, like a lot of relationships, it's about control. It's like who is mm. in control of this person, who's in control of themselves, who's in control of the group dynamic. And this movie is really pretty good at depicting a very fluid state of control where you're never sure like who has sort of the moral leverage to be telling anybody else what to be doing and also like throwing these combustible personalities into a murder mystery is really, you know, is, is pretty good drama. Do you think the, the unresolved emotions or jealousy or like actually my whole thing is like hurt, anger covers up hurt, is what fuels that control? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's even like down to like something as goofy as the Pete Davidson character is like, oh he's, yeah. he's hurt, you know, like he's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's smarting. Oh my gosh. But so there's, what did you think about these dynamics and kind of how each one of them brought out different sides to them? I guess like the most specific one is the, the side to Jordan that we hadn't seen until they start being suspicious of her. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a an element... First of all, I think, like, you can't discount, like, the alcohol element and, like, the, the sort of heightened uh, emotions that come True. out of that kind of situation. And on top of that, not only are they scared about there being a killer in the house, but there's also, like, the element of the weather and, like, the fact that they're trapped with each other. It's not just like, oh, we're we're doing this we're doing this game and we can't leave until we find out. It's like, no, you guys literally can't go anywhere because of this storm. The Jordan character, I love Mahala Harold. She, she's, I, I love when like, there's a different side of someone comes out in these horror movies. Like where somebody who you initially thought was very aggressive or brave turns out to be a coward or somebody mm. who seems really bookish or nerdy turns out to be a great leader or, you know, with Mahala Harold, like somebody who seems pretty like shy and unassuming, all of a sudden has like an air of threat to them. So it's it's great when like basically like the horror serves as a prism through which to see these people's personalities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like she was actually like she stole the show a little bit more than like Sophie, who's played by Amanda, that I was surprised. But I think I think it goes back to what you said of like it her character development, like I guess what what the fear brought out of her is what made her interesting. Because again, she was very like, she she threw her shots in the beginning, but it, like her petty shots, but it seemed like reasonable to the end where like you could see what fear brought out to her, which it was kind of like shoot at whatever comes first type yeah. of thing. Yeah. The way, the twist at the end where Pete Davidson accidentally kills himself doing a TikTok stunt. Most... Ridiculous thing in the world, but as someone that mentioned twists, how did you feel about that? I enjoyed it in the theater, but it probably made me not really want to see the movie again because it's mm. like, it's a joke, right? Yeah. Like, I think that even as ridiculous as the end of some of the Scream movies is when you find out who Ghostface was and they do the long speech about like, actually, like your mom hated my dad and that's why I'm Ghostface. Like, 
there's still something kind of <laughs> legit and sincere about it. Whereas all of this in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was essentially a TikTok joke. Yeah. Uh, I do think it kind of almost makes fun of itself too much. What like did you people think? People died for this, Pete. Yeah, like, exactly. What is, <laughs> that is what I thought of too when I watched that. I was just like, really? All that. But by the time I got annoyed, I was done with the movie. So I guess I was okay with it. You know, I also thought of like another another friendship trope, which is not really a group trope, but it's the type of films where the prey and the hunter become friends almost mm -hmm. because yeah. you have to be. How do you feel about that trope? Yeah, I mean, I think that that tends to come in sequels, right? Like that mm. tends to be what's the connection between Jamie Lee Curtis's character and Michael Myers Later, it's like, oh, like, not only are they somehow, like, you know, maybe even related, but, like, it becomes more, like, only that you and this other person understand what the two of you have been through. So there's something yeah. about the, tr the trauma of the situation that binds you. I'm trying to think of, like, another example of that happening. You know, it's like, over the years, I know, uh, I, I guess, like, you know, in, in a weird way, it's not really a horror movie, but Silence of the Lambs is a really good example of this, where, like, Clarice obviously is drawn to Hannibal, even though he's this terrible human being. What did you what did you have in mind when you were asking the question? It, exactly that. I think, it, it, yeah, of just, like, you almost... What is the term when you become friends with the person that's pretty much Stockholm starting you oppress it? Yes. I feel like that is... I don't know if that's specifically, if Hannibal is, a like, a, the perfect example, but I do think of how friendship is born out of that, but it's also mostly for me because of survival. Like you yeah. have to somewhat stay sane while you try to survive. There's a, did you see the movie Ready or Not? It's like a, a couple of years ago. It's pretty good. It's Samara Weaving, Adam Brody, a couple of other people. And essentially it's about this woman is marrying into a family. She goes to the family's house for like their wedding mm. day. And after the wedding party, there's like this ceremony and she's like, oh, okay. Like what's, th she's like, don't worry. It's just like a weird family ritual. And essentially what it is, is to like stave off a curse on the family. They have to sacrifice someone. Yeah. I've seen the, the many trailers to this and I'm like, no, I'm good. But yeah. It, it's, it's really, <laughs> it, but the thing that's good about it is over the course of the movie, she actually starts to bond with one of the other brothers in the mm. film because he's the sort of, uh, the, the kind of misfit who doesn't really want to go along with doing this. And even though it's not her fiance, she's like, you got to help me. And he could, he obviously is sympathetic to her. And so I think it's always fun when like the horror genre, like shakes up the dice on like who's friends with who in the, in these movies. And typically what happens is it's like the hot girl falls for the nerd over the course of, course. of the horror movies. But <laughs> in course. this, it's, in this, it's really good. It's funny how that trope still lives in horror films. Is there, are there other like representations of friendship and horror that come to mind that you like enjoy that we haven't talked about? I think, I don't, I'm just trying to think of this. I, so I, one of my favorite horror movies that's just, it's a couple years old. It's called Green Room. And it's directed by this uh, really awesome filmmaker named Jeremy Saulnier who did uh, Blue Ruin and he did a couple episodes of the third season of True Detective. And this is a movie about a punk rock band on tour in Oregon who get trapped in a night, like a bar in rural Oregon by a bunch of neo-Nazis. And it's harrowing. Uh, it's as much a thriller as it is a horror movie. But the friendship dynamic of the people in the band 
because bands are also like weird where it's not always your friends. It's just right. people you're in a van with or somebody yeah. that you're kind of like, yeah, we do this, but when we're done tour, I don't want to see you. Right. And that element of it is actually really on display where it's like they don't actually really like each other or trust each other super a lot. Like they're just in a band together. And I love that because anytime you have that kind of like extra layer to the group dynamic, I think it's really fascinating. Those like forced friendships are interesting because also you see even more so the different sides that come out of you when you're threatened. Because can you really... People are over here not trusting their friends and their actual friends. Like, can you really yeah, trust this Imagine if this you were human? in a horror movie with a bunch of people on like a work retreat. <laughs> you know? I'm out, Chris. I'm, <laughs> if I was already out with my real friends, with my close friends, <laughs> if I'm going with the flight when it's close friends, apparently I'm definitely going to do that. Yeah. Like, when you mentioned that offline and you mentioned like the actual, the green room, like how it was set up. I'm like, yeah, that's what's too true to life. I'm going to stay away yeah, from that's, that one. That's, a, that's too real. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you to everyone for listening. If you have a favorite horror movie about friendship or any thoughts and feels on what we talked about today, email us at whataboutyourfriendspod at gmail.com. Talk to y'all next week. Happy Halloween. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.